You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. It most certainly is an honor and a privilege to be able to stand and to uh, bring the Word of God to you tonight as we continue in our series of study uh, studies dealing with how to study the Bible. And really, I'll be honest with you, I find myself in just a little bit of an uncomfortable place Uh, I have been given the task of encouraging you and exhorting you and instructing you on the study of God's Word and how to go about it and how to do it and to accomplish that in 30 minutes. (laughs) And I'll be honest with you, I've been working nearly a lifetime and I haven't fully figured it out yet. And uh, this is the fellow who spends a semester teaching hermeneutics, which is the art and science of Bible interpretation uh, in the college. And when the students walk out of the classroom, I think, well, maybe they're getting their feet wet and they'll be able to start in the right direction. So how I will accomplish that in 30 minutes, I'm not sure. But one thing about it is when you look into the Word of God, you'll always find something that is a help. And so I trust tonight God will help us as we look to His Word. I want to invite you, if you will, to stand to your feet as we read our scripture uh, for this evening, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And I would like you to join me in reading verse number 9. I know this seems like perhaps an unusual text, but I hope that it will make sense before we finish this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. In verse number 9, let's read it aloud together. Ready, begin. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor hear heard, neither have I entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Father, what a wonderful time we've already had in your house. How delightful it is to fellowship with these, your children. How wonderful it is to lift our voices and sing your praise, for you are worthy of all adoration. And now, Lord, it's the greatest privilege that we could ever have this side of eternity to hold in our hands the Word of God and to open it up and to allow you to speak to us. Lord, I pray that tonight you would do that very thing. May people not see me but may they see you high and lifted up. And tonight, as we look into your word, may you cultivate in our hearts an unquenchable thirst and an unceasing desire to know more of you and your word. We'll thank you for what you do tonight, for we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I begin to consider how to approach this subject and topic because our pastor has done such an excellent job, I was looking forward to hearing more from him 
and uh, I thought maybe I could learn some things. I found out that he and I do things very much alike as he last week began to explain uh, many of his formats for studying the Bible. I would look at my wife and she would look at me and laugh because I have a Strong's Concordance. I have a Vines Dictionary. I have colored pens. I have a ruler. I have paper. And I use my phone for my dictionary. I thought, what in the world is this uh, an incredible thing? And I thought, this week he'll tell me something that I don't do that I can learn to do. And then he said I was preaching. And so I thought, well, so much for that thought. But as I begin to think about this thing of studying the Word of God, I, I, I begin by looking at the text which we've read tonight. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And I thought I would be neglectful if I even began to broach the subject of studying the Word of God if I did not, first of all, stop and mention something about, number one, the profound text of my study. You see, what we are, stuttering, uh, what we are studying are the divine words of God himself. We read this verse many times, and like me, you have heard men of God stand and read it or quote it and say, when we get to heaven, there are incredible things our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard. It has not even entered into our hearts all the things that God has for us. And can I say to you, that is a wonderful application of this verse. However, that is not the primary interpretation of this verse. For when we read it in our context, notice the very next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now I want you to notice how this passage traces itself out. If we continue to read, we'll say, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now here's another very familiar verse, verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Have you ever noticed how we take verse number 14 and we say that's talking about the Word of God? The natural man can't receive the things of the Word of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And yet, really, in its context, verse number 9 is connected with verse number 14. Notice neither have entered into the heart of man the things. If you mark your Bible, sucker that word things. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Look at verse number 10. But God hath revealed them. What? Those things in verse number 9. God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things. Again, circle that word. Yea, the deep things of God. 
For what man knoweth the things of a man, say the spirit of a man which is in him, even so the things of God. That's those same things in verse number 9. Uh, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, uh, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things. That's those things in verse number 9. We might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things? Those things in verse number 9. Also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things. Those things in verse number 9. Spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things, those things in verse number 9. He can't receive those things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they, those things in verse number 9, are spiritually discerned. Can I say to you tonight, the profound text which we hold in our hand, from which we are going to study, contains things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that it has never even entered into your heart the things that God has prepared. Oh, I want to tell you, if it were things that I had to wait for to get to heaven, that'd be wonderful. But guess what? Those things I can have here on this earth, I can know them today. I can see them today. I can live with them today. I can enjoy them today. I can study them today. These things. That's the profound text that we have for our study. Can I say to you tonight that we hold in our hands a book that is entirely reliable. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, the verse that we mentioned tonight that's on your uh, bookmark that you hold in your hand, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Can I tell you, this is truth tonight. Pilate asked the question, what is truth? Can I say this is the answer? The word of God is truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is entirely reliable. You can count on it. There is not one lie. There is not one falsehood. There is not one misstatement. There is not one error. I believe that I hold in my hand tonight a book that is from cover to cover. 100% reliable I can depend on what it says for it is truth can I say to you tonight as well not only do we have a book that is entirely reliable but we have a book that is entirely relevant 2 Timothy 2 15 uh, 2 Timothy 3 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Can I say to you, every bit of Scripture has some relevance for me. If we're not careful, we begin to open up the Word of God and we turn to a passage and we start to read and we say, well, there's nothing there for me. But then go back and remember 2 Timothy 3.16, all. Now, I've had a little bit of Greek, and I've had a little bit of Hebrew, and I don't remember much of either one, but I do know this. The word all means all, and that's all all means. 
all scripture from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Every verse is given by inspiration of God and that same scripture that is given by inspiration of God that has come from the very breath of God himself, that same scripture, all scripture is profitable. That means there is something good in there for me if I will yield myself and study and search. God will then open up my mind, my understanding, my heart, and show me something whereby I can be profited no matter what the text. May I say to you, even though every passage is not written to me, every passage is written for me. Though it may be a message to Ezekiel, though it may be a message to Daniel, though it may be a law that's given to Israel, it may not be given, uh, written to me, but it is written for me, and I can profit from it if I will study. Oh, I wish I had time to show you some examples, but we've got to hurry tonight because Brother Waterhouse has already threatened me if I didn't finish. He said, I'm looking for the hour of power tonight. I said, oh, great, I get an hour to preach. He said, no, we start at 6.30. That means at 7.30, you're done. That's the end of the hour of power. And uh, you know how these musicians are. You've got to keep them happy. And so I'll do my best to finish by 7.30, and you can pay Brother Waterhouse later on for his kindness to you. Can I say to you that this is a profound text which we hold in our hand? I read the story today of a lady by the name of Susanna Goosen. She lived in South Africa. She had been widowed. Her husband had passed away. And upon his death, he left her nothing but a desolate farm on which they lived and the little shack of a house in which they made their dwelling. Uh, she lived there for several years, continued to exist, and, and made her way through life very much in a poverty-stricken state. And and the time came several years later when she too went the way that every person eventually will should Christ uh, not return for us. She went by way of the grave and she made her parting. And at the time of her death, her possessions consisted of the desolate farm on which she lived, three goats and a bag of meal. That's all she had. But the incredible thing about the story was that not long after she died, the farm came into the possession of another person, and that person from that time until this, and, uh, and their uh, ancestors, their heirs, from that time until this, they have taken from the ground on which that little desolate farm literally billions of dollars worth of diamonds. She lived on untold wealth, and never dreamed what was hers. She failed to recognize it, and thus she failed to benefit from it. Oh, can I say to you, how many Christians try to exist on a meager portion of a Sunday sermon, living out their days in spiritual poverty, suffering from spiritual malnutrition, when within their very grasp they hold the unsearchable riches which have been provided by the God of heaven and which are able to meet every need that they have if they would simply take this profound text and open it up and begin to study. Oh, I've got to hurry on tonight. Not only the profound text for my study, 
But I want to mention something because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's right, Brother Bertram, but you're a college professor and, and you've been to seminary and you have a degree and you can understand the Word of God and it's not for me because I can't understand the deep things. Oh, I'm glad you said that because look at our text. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Oh, can I tell you, not only am I interested in the profound text for my study, but tonight I want to point your attention to the proficient tutor for my study. You know, if you're in the education field and, and you're going to take a subject and perhaps you go to the university, perhaps you go to the college and, and you find that there is a subject with which you are somewhat unfamiliar, you've never studied it before, it's all new ground for you. Or perhaps when you get to class and all of a sudden you realize that as you begin to embark on this series of studies that you're behind everybody else, everybody else seems to be way ahead they were more prepared than you were when you jumped in on the thing. Or perhaps it's just a subject with which you have difficulty. Maybe you're good at math and you're good at history, but when it comes to English, you struggle, and it's just a difficult subject for you. You know what you do? You find a tutor. You find someone who is an expert in that field. You find someone who knows more than you know, and you sit at their feet and you allow them to instruct you. You allow them to teach you. You allow them to explain the things to you that you yourself cannot grasp. Oh, I want to tell you tonight that I have a proficient tutor for my study of the Word of God. His name is the Holy Spirit. I wish I had time to tell you about how he's the great indweller of every believer. If you are a child of God, you have the Spirit of God living within you. He is there every moment of every hour of every day in every situation guiding you along the roadway of life. I wish I could tell you about how he is the groaning intercessor for us according to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 26. How he makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered before the throne of God. I want to tell you a lot of times my prayers are very feeble. My prayers are very inadequate. But oh, I'm glad by the time they get from where I'm at to where he's at, I'm glad somebody else has already made an interpretation for them. I'm glad somebody else has already explained to God really what I wanted to say, but I couldn't figure out how to say it. I'm glad that there's somebody that's been able to make intercession for me with groanings that human tongue could not even utter before the throne of God. But tonight I want to focus on the fact that he is the gracious instructor of every believer. And by the way, have you ever wondered when you go and you find a tutor and they want to help you, here's what they always do. They always say, well, we've got to look at the textbook. We've got to look at the textbook. Have you ever wondered what the Holy Spirit's textbook is? Oh, I want to show you tonight. Turn with me over to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. I want to show you the Holy Spirit's textbook. You say, I didn't know he had a textbook. Oh, Jesus already told us what he's going to use to teach us and instruct us. Uh, John chapter number 14. 
Verse number 26, Jesus is speaking. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's going to leave his disciples. They're troubled. They're worried. Jesus is trying to instruct them and comfort them. He says in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Hold your finger right there and turn over a page to John chapter number 16. The same subject. Still the same word coming forth. John chapter 16, verse number 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Now I want to show you what the Holy Spirit's going to use as his textbook. Verse number 26 of chapter 14. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. That's the entire Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Psalms, the prophets, all of the laws, all of the rituals. He's going to use that to teach us some things. Uh, look at, he said, and he shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. That's the gospels that give to us the words and the works of Christ as he walked in flesh upon this earth. Verse number 13 of chapter 16, he will guide you into all truth. That are the, those are the epistles from which we get our doctrine, where we form our beliefs, upon which we rest our foundation. And then it says he will show you things to come. That's the book of Revelation. I'll tell you what the textbook of the Holy Spirit is. It's simply the word of God. Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to open up the word of God. And from Genesis to Revelation, he's going to tell you everything you need to know. He's going to give you every bit of information you desire as much as you want. You don't have any idea yet because eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But if you'll just yield to your tutor, if you'll just listen to him, if you'll just sit at his feet and spend time with him and open up the textbook, he's got a lot of wonderful things that he wants to teach you and show you. Can I say I have a proficient tutor who guides my study? I don't have to look for signs. I've got a book. I don't have to wait for visions. I've got a book. I don't have to be like Eliphaz in Job chapter number four and wake up in the middle of the night all shaken and, and have something pass by me and make the hair stand up on my flesh. I'm not looking for dreams. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the tutor to take me to the textbook and open it up and explain to me by verse and line by line principle and truth from the word of God that will meet the need of my life in that moment and that hour so that I can become more like he wants me to become. Well, the profound text for my study, the proficient tutor for my study, but I want to say a word tonight about the personal thrust of my study. Can I say to you, when you open the Word of God, when I open the Word of God and I begin to study, I'm looking for something for me. I'm not going to the Word of God to find something so that I can fix my wife. I'm not going to the Word of God to find something so I, I, I can straighten out my children. I'm not going to the Word of God to look for something so that I can teach my Sunday school class. Can I say it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. I'm the one that needs this book. 
Because if I'll get in this book and find what I want, I'll know how to help my wife. I'll know how to help my children. I'll know how to teach my Sunday school class. All that comes as a result of me being in this book. But when I open up this book and I sit down with the textbook and I sit down with the tutor and he begins to explain, he has something for me personally that I need in my life. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 119 and verse number 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wonderful things out of thy law. Do you know that it's kind of like this? It's kind of like eating. You see, that's why just Sunday and Wednesday is not enough. How many of you just eat on Sunday a couple times and then eat on Wednesday and you don't eat the rest of the week? I can tell by looking at you that's not true. And you can tell by looking at me that that's not true. You know what I do? I eat every day. In fact, a lot of days I eat multiple times. In fact, my wife thinks sometimes I just eat all day. I'm on a light diet. As long as it's light, I'm eating. That's why I'm thankful the refrigerator has a little light in it. Because you open the door, that means it's time to eat because it's light. It's a part of that light diet. Can I tell you that's the way we ought to be with the Word of God? We ought to have a hunger that cannot be satisfied. We ought to have a thirst that cannot be quenched. Like eating, I must do it for myself. It's not enough for me to sit beside someone who is eating. That's not going to help me out at all. I have to eat it for myself. It's not enough for me to be in the neighborhood of someone who's eating. In fact, it's not enough for me to listen to someone talk about how good the food is and how delicious it tastes and how nutritious it is. Can I tell you, if I don't open up my mouth and shovel it in and swallow it down, it's not going to help me at all. And can I tell you, you can listen to what other people have found in the Word of God. You can, you can sit beside people who study the Word of God, but you're never going to grow spiritually to open it up and study the Word of God yourself. It is water to satisfy the thirsty soul. It's like bread to sustain spiritual life. It's milk and meat to strengthen the spiritual man. It's honey to sweeten the spiritual journey. And everything you need to help you grow strong spiritually is found in the pages of this book. And you must open it up and find something for yourself personally from God on high. When I open the Word of God and I begin to study, I ask several questions. Just like Pastor mentioned the other night, my questions are just a little different, but very similar. I ask the question, is there a sin I should avoid? Does this passage I'm reading tell me about a sin I need to watch out for? Does this passage of Scripture give me a command that I should obey? Is there something that God's telling me to do that I personally need to get busy with in my life? Is there a lesson that I should learn? Is there, is there something there whereby I can be profited and helped? Is there a truth that I can see? And then finally, is there a comfort that I can glean? And I found that if I study the Word of God and I open it up with the Holy Spirit's direction and illumination and I ask myself those questions, I never go away from a passage of Scripture without finding an answer to at least one of them. The practical truth of my study, very quickly, is that not every day do I get a new revelation. You see, because many times my tutor knows that I need to spend time reviewing what I've already been taught. I, I, I'm not ready to advance yet. He says, 
I told you this a couple weeks ago, but you're still struggling with that, so I need to remind, we need to go back and review that lesson again. Oh, I wish that every day I got some great and grand and glorious revelation from God. But you know, it's not that way. But you know what I get? I get what I need. By the way, you don't always get what you want, but he'll give you what you need. I, I, I laugh at our young people. I laugh at our staff. I laugh at a lot of people. Most of you know my wife is in charge of food services. That means she cooks in the kitchen. I make it just my custom. I've had a habit for years and years. I guess it's caused the way my parents raised me and they forced me to do it. But I've just had a habit of every day, whatever's on my plate, I eat it all. If I like it, I eat it. If I don't like it, I eat it. If it's good, I eat it. If it's not very good, I eat it. They all laugh at me and say it's because my wife is the cook. I don't think that has a lot to do with it. Because there's a lot of things that she would like me to do that I don't do. You know what I learned a long time ago? I can say that because she's in the nursery. A lot of, I learned a long time ago that there's a lot of stuff that I don't like that's probably good for me, so I might as well just eat it. Yesterday, I hate to tell you this because I know it's going to shock you and appall you. Yesterday, they served peas in the kitchen. Can I just be honest and make a confession? I hate peas. I do not like peas. I cannot abide peas. I think peas are the nastiest. There's something that happened with peas and the curse. They're involved somehow. I'm not sure how. I think at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be no peas. But guess what I did? I did not do like some of our staff do and say, don't put any peas on that plate. You know what I did? I took a plate that had peas. And I looked at him and I said two things. Number one, the flesh is not going to win. I said, number two, it's probably good for me, so I'm going to eat it anyway. Can I say some days you're going to have to wake up and say, I don't really want to read. I really don't want to, I don't want to take that portion in. But you're going to have to say the flesh is not going to win. And you're going to have to say it's probably good for me anyway. I, I don't understand why God has put me in First Chronicles chapter 5 this morning because I can't even pronounce those names, much less understand what they mean. But somehow or another, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. I figure there's somehow I'm going to profit. If nothing else, I'm going to put the flesh under one more day. And I'm going to do something for God. Now very quickly, my time is almost gone. Can I just give you an example of this? John chapter number 21. I'll give you my reading for today. I'm just going to run through it very hurriedly. John chapter 21, verse number 1 through 4. Only four verses. That's all I've studied today. Don't think less of me. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. As I read this passage of Scripture, here's the perpetual thrill of my study. I look at it and I ask myself the question, is there a sin that I should avoid? I notice in verse number 3, Peter said, I go a fishing. 
You know what Peter was doing? He was just simply backsliding. Sliding back to where he had once been when Jesus found him. Oh, can I say how easy it is to backslide? Oh, I must be on guard every moment of every hour of every day so I don't backslide. You see, there's a sin I must avoid. I've got to be careful. Why? Because all it requires to backslide is that I do nothing. It's the easiest thing in the world. So therefore, there is a sin I must avoid. Is there a command I should obey? I don't know. I didn't see one. Jesus didn't tell him to do anything. Is there a lesson I should learn? Oh, there's a bunch of lessons I could learn. In verse number two, he gives a whole list of seven disciples who join in with Peter to go fishing. I have to be careful. Just because the crowd does it doesn't mean it's right. Oh, that's a good lesson to learn, is it not? We're so easily swayed to go along with the crowd and do what everyone else do, does. Oh, there's a lesson I must learn. I can't go along with the crowd if they're not going the right way. Here's a second lesson I can learn. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we also go with thee. If I go astray, others will probably follow me. Oh, it's important for me to walk right and to do right. Because if I go astray, my wife will come along for the journey, probably. And my children will follow me. And maybe some other folks will follow me. I better be careful where I'm leading folks. Notice verse number 3. That night they caught nothing. Outside of God's will, my efforts are in vain. Oh, I, I can try to do a lot of things and I can accomplish what seems to be amazing things in the flesh. But outside of God's power, it's all vain. It's all empty. There's going to be no lasting result. Now, is there a truth I can see? Oh, I see a wonderful truth. And boy, it grabbed my heart this morning. And it's helped me all day long. Verse number one, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. Oh, here's the wonderful truth. Jesus delights in showing himself to his children. Amen. Oh, I'm glad of that. Amen. I'm glad that more than I want to see him, he wants me to see him. Amen. And time after time, he's going to show up. If I'll just watch, he'll make his appearance. Oh, finally, is there a comfort I can glean? Oh, yeah, there's a great comfort. The Bible says in verse number four, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. I learned this great comfort, though I may forsake him, he will never forsake me. There have been times in my life when, like Peter, I've gone fishing. But oh, I'm glad that every time, if I just turned around to look, there he was standing on the shore. Amen. Said, I've been waiting on you. I've been watching for you. I've been wanting you to come back. I thought of that old song, though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me.
I'm so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, I want to say tonight, get your text out. Sit down with your tutor. And you can enjoy the thrill of things that I have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man that God has prepared for you. Amen. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe tonight God has quickened within your heart a renewed desire to study Maybe you felt intimidated because you didn't think you could understand it. Maybe you felt like you were behind everyone else. Maybe you felt like it was unfamiliar territory. But tonight you've been reminded that you have a tutor. He'll take you by the hand. He knows what you need. He'll instruct you in the ways of righteousness. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.